Welcome back. I'm here today with Hal Kelman, the Kelman Family Office, and Hal, welcome to today's show. Thank you. So, Hal, for the listeners, can you give the background of how you got where you are today? And let, let's start way back at the beginning for you and your life. Okay, so. so the beginning is when I was born, and uh, I was born in the South Bronx, and as I found out later in life, I lived uh, six blocks away from Colin Powell, and uh, we both lived there in 1953, 4, and 5. But the important thing is, uh, uh, when I was b- born, uh, we only had one bedroom, one bathroom, and there were six of us. And I realized that I wanted to do something more and different in life. And my grandfather had come to this country in steerage in 1911. He worked in the uh, garment industry. My father uh, dropped out of high school in uh, 11th grade. He worked in the garment industry. And uh, they both said, uh, son, the Kelmans do not go to college. And I said, I'm going to go to college. And they said, we have no money for you. I said, well, I'll do it on my own. So that was the beginning. Uh, And I realized that I had to do things on my own. And so I've always liked entrepreneurs and uh, specifically uh, people who want to do something to change the world. And that's my main theme, uh, 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 doing something and doing it on your own. You know, it's, it's amazing against all odds. You don't have the history and the, 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 the support system basically from those ahead of you. But, but, uh, in that inner drive, you were feeling something. Where did you end up, uh, you know, pursuing your, uh, you know, college education? Yeah, as, as it turns out. So the one thing I didn't have was money, and uh, I had a specific uh, goal, and it wasn't that hard. It was to have enough uh, money for food, clothing, shelter, and a little fun. And so uh, when I started out in life, I didn't have that, and I decided that I wanted to do something on my own and not work for a big corporation like my father did. He worked 40 years for a company, and uh, they gave him a pension after 40 years of $10 a month for each year. So his pension, besides getting a crappy salary, his pension was only $400 a month, and it was fixed, and uh, it ended when he died. So I, that was the other end of uh, what happens with the corporations, and uh, that's the part that I saw. And so I didn't like uh, big corporations. Now you for, took a degree in electrical engineering. Okay, so okay, so here's yeah, what, here's yeah. what happened. Okay, so it's interesting. Life is interesting. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, but you can have long range goals. And my big thing is strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel most comfortable with long term strategy, uh, usually looking out a decade, and tactics to get there. So uh, my goal was to uh, go to school in New York, you know, because it was free, Mm -hmm. CCNY, and then uh, work uh, in the Northeast, go to work for IBM. Okay, so uh, New York had a promise, New York City had a promise for every high school graduate with a B or better grade, you can go to CCNY for free. And I said, okay, that's my way out. So I had an 87 uh, average. They did it in numbers instead of averages. And I thought, okay, four years, I don't have to pay for anything. They lost my application. And <laughs> oh, no. my parents wouldn't come down to support me. So I took my 15 cents token, went down to the office, and I told them, and they said, son, you didn't file it on time. Get out of here. So I didn't know uh, whether or not I would ever go to college. And my everyone I went to school with graduated in June, and I didn't know what I was going to do. 
So you as uh, so, so fast forwarding now, you ended up uh, okay, so, after after your degree coming out to California. Okay, okay what, so what so what happened yeah. was so what happened was um, uh, there was one college in the country, Michigan College of Mining and Technology, okay. that had an August thirty first application deadline. Mm-hmm. So I applied uh, to them in July. I got a scholarship for undergraduate and then uh, uh, went to the University of Michigan for my MBA. So electrical engineering, MBA, and uh, I stayed in Ann Arbor uh, for another 10 years. So I didn't come to Silicon Valley until 1978. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what finally drove you to come out here from, from Michigan? I read, okay, so there I am in snowy Ann Arbor, yeah. and I read uh, uh, electronic news all the time. And uh, Ted Hoffler wrote a two-part series about Silicon Valley, and also uh, Intel had an advertisement about the 4004 family microprocessors. And I saw that, and I said, wow, this is going to change the world. And everyone, including my wife, said I was crazy. And that was uh, November 15th, 1971. And my uh, my wife's family was in Detroit, and she wanted to stay there. So I had to wait for them to the family to leave and you know go to Florida like uh, most people do from New York or Detroit uh, when they retire. And I also had a company. I started a little company in Ann Arbor with $3,000. There were three of us. And uh, we took $1,000 each for a software company. And we built it up. I worked 14, 15 hours a day, seven days a week for 10 years, sold the company to 3M and moved out here. So that was the genesis. So I had to have my wife's family move and my company get bought. So in uh, in your first company, it was basically a $3,000 investment. Uh, and and, and the, the show's followed by a lot of entrepreneurs and inspiring people. And uh, yeah, no one really knows the full history of your story. Yet, uh, but but I want to I want to go back to three thousand dollar net worth investment in there. What what was your big break? How did you get this company off the ground? Uh, Silicon Valley, Hewlett and Packard. I'm the, they were great people. So there I was. Uh, the three thousand came from the three founders, a thousand dollars each, and we needed to get computer equipment. Back then, it was mini computers. Uh, we had just gone from mainframes, the IBM mainframes, to eighty different mini computer companies, and one of the uh, newer ones was Hewlett Packard. So I came out here to try to get either Hewlett Packard twenty one fourteens and twenty one sixteens or Varian equipment. So my first stop. Uh, in Palo Alto, luckily both of them were here in Palo Alto, uh, was Varian. And the first question the guy from Varian asked me is, son, how old are you? And I said, 25. Second question, what's your net worth? I said, $3,000 for the company. He says, get out of here. So luckily, the second company I went to was Hewlett Packard down the road. And they just took out a purchase order. They said, how much equipment would you like? I thought of the biggest number I could, $100,000 worth of equipment. He wrote that down. He said, how long do you want to pay? I said, 60 days, because I knew we can program in 27. They gave us $100,000 worth of equipment, 60 days to pay, and that's why we were successful for, for because of Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard. You and know, it, the, the, the dreams of Silicon Valley are... Uh uh, yeah, we're live and well back then. Uh, but Hal, I need to take a quick break, and uh, when we get back after these messages, I want to I want to jump into, you know, the Eureka strategy on this first company, then where you went from there. 
Uh, We'll be right back after these messages. can't take your wealth with you, spend time with your family. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Hal Kelman, the Kelman Family Office. And uh, Hal, before the break, we ended off with uh, your first big win in the company was uh, an order coming in from Silicon Valley, Hewlett Packard, $100,000. You were able to use that as a, uh, a scaling point to the company, and then eventually uh, you sold out. How many years was it till you got to the point where, where you went over to 3M? Okay, so we were, I was independent uh, working for, the company was uh, ISI, Interactive Systems Incorporated. Mm-hmm. So I built it with two other people uh, from startup 3,000 to 4 million in revenue, 400,000 in earnings, and then we sold the company to 3M because they wanted to get into factory automation. And so, uh, and, and so bring us, uh, fast forward, what year was this now? This was 1978. Okay. And as soon as I sold the company, I moved out here. You know, it's interesting. 78, it's still, Silicon Valley was still just starting. Uh, you move out here, though. Were you still with the company or did you take the exit strategy and say, I'm going to go do something else now? No, I didn't know anyone. That's the the whole thing. I've I've always been an an explorer, and people kidded me about that my whole life. And when I would tell people about Silicon Valley for the eight years uh, that I lived in Michigan and I was going to Silicon Valley for different conferences, they would always call me Marco Polo. And as it turns out, I have a private investment in the company, and I didn't name it, but the founder, co-founder, uh, uh, did uh, Marco Polo Learning. So it's it's funny. Some things in life are, uh, you know, destined. So Marco Polo, the explorer, uh, doing different things. So I knew no one in Silicon Valley came out here, and there were regional brokerage firms, and the two best were um, um, Robertson Stevens and Hambrick and Quist. I said, these are my type companies. And so I dealt with them. And again, still 1978, 77 uh, was the bad 70s. Hamburg and Quist had only done two IPOs. 78, they did seven. I bought five of them. I really liked it. And I said, boy, I found gold. And I bought Avantech. Cullinet, Evans Sutherland, Paradigm, and Zydex, five of their seven deals, and the worst one went up 10 times in value. I said, <laughs> this is it. This is, this is my type of company. And So you found a knack for really getting in, doing the research, and evaluating value in companies. Yeah, early, early. Yeah. So I, I should have been a venture capitalist, but I didn't have the contacts. So essentially, I've been a public venture capitalist all my life buying companies uh, that are five or 10 million in revenue, uh, which you could have done from 1969 when I started until 1999. So Hal, I understand uh, it it wasn't just picking the stocks, but you also began to do some writing and um, as an analyst for for some magazines in early Silicon Valley companies. How'd you get into that? 
again, uh, nothing is easy. Uh, there was a new magazine that was started in 1989 called Upside Magazine, and the people who started it were from Stanford. So the first person who did what I wanted to do was from Stanford. Luckily, he was so bad that I got a call from the co-founder of Upside, uh, Tony Perkins, and he said, Hal, I sorry, a couple of your uh, your um, articles that you had written for Detroit Discovery, do you think you can do this for uh, our new magazine? And the companies I had written up for Detroit Discovery when I was still in Michigan went up an average 70%. Oh so my God, had, so 70%? Had, seven zero, yes. And, and you, were, uh, you, you, you must have had a pretty good following by that time. So, well, the interesting thing is yeah. it was Michigan. And yeah. Uh, All my clients in Michigan were either doctors, dentists, or osteopaths, and they drove me crazy. And so I realized that in order for me to do my own thing, I have to have my own uh, way of looking at it, and I can't do what everyone else did. And uh, the thing that changed was 73-74 when everyone uh, went down and I had my first double-digit loss. And I said, this is crazy. If I'm going to continue, I'm going to do it my way. And I changed uh, my approach. Hal, I need to take a quick break. Uh, visiting here today with Hal Kelman he of the Kelman Family Office. And uh, when we get back, I want to talk about when you look at companies and how do you assess undervalued, underperforming. Uh, or, or companies that are ready to, to take off. So we'll be right back after these messages. I love fishing, you know, with my family. I think it would be easier to use a net. It was so much fun. The times when we are together, it makes it all, all the more worth it. Having Dad teach them how to, like, cast a fly rod and... As long as we're doing stuff together, we're having fun. Some people see a father and a son fishing together, while others see a succession plan. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Hal Kelman of the Kelman Family Office. And, and Hal, uh, you know, the, for the listeners, you have a, a, you know, I'll just say this, you have a pretty good reputation for picking good stocks and good investments over the years. But, but you know, how did you come about this? Is, is it, is it, you got some type of system or process where you're saying this is, this is how I know you know I want to be with this company or what, what do you look at for criteria? Okay, so the two main areas I focus in is what I what I know because I studied it or uh, was interested in it. So initially, because of electrical engineering, I really know hardware and software. And uh, it used to be IBM and the Seven Dwarfs. And I always look for companies that can become the next uh, big success. And if something is already known and it's followed by 40 analysts, I'm not interested in that. So I try to find something, usually because of technology. It's either misunderstood or early or groundbreaking. And it's uh, the cutting edge technology. So that's basically you're you're able to predict those trends and follow through. Um, has your philosophy stayed the same, or has it changed over the years as as technology has evolved? Basically, it's the same thing, but it's evolved because the world changes. So it's always been uh, for the last twenty five years. Forty uh, percent of what I do is technology, hardware, and software. The the uh, companies change. 
20% is healthcare because I'm interested in that. And the other 40% is still miscellaneous. And I tried to get it down to a system, but it's still a personal type thing where you just can't have a formula. I do have formulas, but that's only one uh, uh, club in my, in my, uh, 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 golf bag there. I don't play golf, so I'm trying to figure out an analogy. Just one club. Well, I want to jump into healthcare a little bit because obviously a lot in the news with the Affordable Care Act, a revamping. Uh, you saw the, uh, the Theranos has been over there, the the blow up of, uh, you know, the, the business model or valuation. But when, you know, and then there's a lot of companies that are coming out saying, well, the new solution is, is wellness. It's, 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 you know, rather than reactive medicine, it's 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 preventing things up front. What where do you see the trend really going? Is it do you see wellness as a uh, something alive and well that that will because it's we're obviously trying to disrupt the current system and move on? Or what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, more generally, I, I, my emphasis is on uh, genomics, and okay. and uh, it wasn't until we cracked the genome. And that took $3 billion and more than a decade to just get the first science. And then it's the same thing in technology. It takes 15, 20 years to understand the science. And then over the course of time, you get the companies. So, okay, so if you were the first person uh, to get your genome uh, tested, it would have cost $3 billion. Then it went down to 100000 When it broke 10000 I was one of the first 5,000 people to get my own whole genome tested. And there's a company in San Diego that did that, Illumina. I went down there, and uh, they made sure uh, you talked to a doctor uh, for an hour before they would do the test because if you had some serious disease, they didn't want you to go off and kill yourself or do something stupid. So the good news is I got tested for 1,200 diseases, and I have no extra chance of getting any of the 12, just average or better, so I should live to be 89. So when you look at... uh a person wanting to jump into the investment industry today, what advice would you give them? I would tell them, you know, the interesting thing is it hasn't changed that much in 300 years. And people kid about Jack Ma when he talks about uh, Forrest Gump. My hero is uh, Benjamin Franklin. Hmm. 300 years ago, he was America's first entrepreneur. 1706, uh, he only had two years of formal education, didn't have any money. He essentially ran away from his family. Uh, He lived in the number one population uh, 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 city uh, and went to the number two, Philadelphia, to make his own way. And he did a whole bunch of things, entrepreneurial things, and spent the first 42 years of his life making money and then the last 42 giving it away. But he, he had so many things that he did. Uh, uh, I've read different accounts of him, and I had to read several accounts to get the full story. But one of the greatest things was uh, that's the first time I understood the miracle of compound growth by listening to Ben Franklin's story. He willed 1,000 pounds to each of his cities, Philadelphia and Boston, with the proviso that none of the money could be spent for 200 years. So the first city, uh, they re- the lawyers always get involved and screw things up. They reinterpreted it and they opened it up in 100 years. That only made $2 million. The other one was the full 200 years, 1990, it was $5 million. So for one 
thousand pounds to two million or five million miracle of compound growth, and that that is uh, underestimated. Uh, people talk about it, but they don't realize uh, compound growth for ten, fifteen, twenty years. Anyone today could get rich. It shows his brilliance too, and in, in in foresight. So if uh, if you're looking back at uh, you know, courses that you enjoyed the most in college, or you know, what what would that be? Where your where's your passion for learning? As it turns out, my passion, uh, besides electrical engineering and finance, it was really history. I, I, the best courses I took were at the University of Michigan, uh, but it was not uh, in, in the uh, finance. I took two history courses. One was the entrepreneur in history, and the other one was an economic history of the United States. And they had 24 specialized libraries, and I went back to each of the 24 uh, libraries that had different parts of, of uh, uh, things I was interested in. And I realized most of the history books are wrong because they're written by people after the event and they reconstruct it. So what I learned was most of the entrepreneurs were really self-taught and they dropped out at that time of high school and now they drop out of college or graduate school. So there's a certain entrepreneur personality that I learned to follow and my biggest successes have been by investing in those type people. You know how when you look at the history books, uh, if you could choose any time to live in, in the era of time, what, when would that be? My ideal time would be 1450 to 1525 and living in Florence, Italy with the Medici family because they financed uh, you know, so many great things with the Renaissance and had uh, 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 they must have had great dinner conversations with Leonardo da Vinci and uh, Rembrandt and all all the great uh, people, Copernicus, around the dinner table. Hal, uh, we're out of time today, but I appreciate you being on today's show. And I've uh, been visiting here today with Hal Kelman of the Kelman Family Office. Uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you. And we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. Um, yeah, over the break, I was visiting with Hal, and there was uh, Hal Kelman, and, and there was a, a a little app called Marco Polo, Hal, that that you mentioned. I want to hold this over the last second because I think it'd be of great interest to the uh, to, to the listeners out there. But uh, tell me about this app. Is one of your first software? This was my yeah. first yeah. private investment, okay. uh, and uh, essentially, there are two million apps in the App Store. And so you think, you know, an app, you know, what chance do you have? But this is in early childhood education, and and the person who developed it uh, is a great entrepreneur, and uh, it got picked up by Apple and featured a year ago as the app of the week. We got 3 million downloads. Wow. And as we speak now, uh, we've got 5 million people who have purchased it, it is the number one early childhood education program in the world, and we just got the 
what purportedly is the richest man in Hong Kong and the second richest man in Asia. Uh, I, all, what I, all I know is he's worth more than $30 billion, and that's Horizon Ventures, and he just put money in the company. So he thinks we can do great things, and we're going to do more things besides apps. We're going to have a, a Marco Polo Academy, and we're going to have uh, half-hour uh, programs that are going to be sold to uh, 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 one of the early childhood education channels. And this is all in uh, in, in early childhood development. Early is it like child, yeah. videos or what, what What do they get with the app there? Okay. They, it's, it's learning. It's yeah. different areas. And essentially, there are 400 million kids in the world who don't have access to early childhood education. And that's one of my passions, to give people equal access and have an opportunity if you're not born into the right family or zip code. And so, uh, as it turns out, all over the world, uh, people are buying that be- because you don't even have to know English. We do have it in eight different languages. But little kids uh, start playing with it, and grandparents uh, buy this for their grandchildren. And you learn about ocean. You learn about uh, 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 weather and recall. And then there's a a newer app. I forget the name. So we got four apps now that are selling, but we're going to expand and use the best characters from this uh, into the TV program called the Polos. And how many languages is this in? Last I checked with Justin Sue, it was in in eight different languages and it's worldwide. So to, to find it, you go to the app store and Marco Polo learning. Okay. Yeah. And is there is there an initial trial period? I mean, do you have two phases of a trial app and then a? It's a, only a like two dollars and ninety nine cents. Oh, okay, so, there so, you go. <laughs> uh, plus, I think they they have a three pack. If you buy the three, you get a little a little uh, discount. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it's amazing with technology that uh, you know what is what it is doing is is driving learning down to earlier ages and making it you know available where where it wasn't before with this technology and and giving kids the opportunity to right before yeah, it was CD yeah. ROMs and uh, when I was writing for Upside I wrote up two learning companies that sold CD ROMs you may remember where in the world is Carmen uh, 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 San Diego yeah and yeah. then uh, uh, Westward Wagons so one one of the companies mm-hmm. was Learning Company and the other one was Broderbund both of them were bought by the by the guy who's on Shark Tank uh, uh, Mr Wonderful O'Leary there, there were a couple hundred million dollars. He bought it and he sold it to Mattel for four billion. Oh that, my gosh! That, that's his. I used to one, play that wagon. My game. kids, it's, my yeah, kids yeah. actually did the uh, mm-hmm. pre-testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning company was in Fremont. They would uh, give them uh, uh, cola, which my wife didn't like, cola and pizza, and they'd test all those things when they're a small little company in Fremont. Well, how fun! Well, how we're 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 out of time. Uh, but it's been a real pleasure having you on today's show. Any final words for, for the listeners? Probably if I had to buy one book, I wouldn't buy an, uh, any of the new books. Uh, uh, Philip A. Fisher. Uh, he actually was uh, the originator along with Hero Price of growth stocks. And in 1958, he wrote uh, Uncommon Values and Common Stocks. And I read that when I was in business school, and it's more than 50 years later. The only thing I would change is unit trust to mutual fund. And he was a great growth stock investor and told people how to do it. Been busy here today with Hal Kelman of the Kelman Family Office. Thanks for being with us. 